Hey there, Story Sister, and welcome back to the Power Your Platform podcast. I'm your host and story coach, Carrie Ramsey. And on the podcast today, I'm interviewing California-based author and corporate storyteller, Donna Griffith. Donna has written a book called Sticking to My Story, The Alchemy of Storytelling for Startups. And in the book, she shares how to deliver winning investor pitches using the art of storytelling. But the book is about so much more than that, because as she and I talk about in this interview, really, we're always selling our story, aren't we? As Donna explains in today's episode, our human brains are hardwired for storytelling. So when we use a storytelling framework, when we're approaching our investor or sales pitches, we're setting ourselves up for business success. In today's episode, Donna and I talk about what our audience is really listening for and why our business vision is one of the biggest keys to pitching success. As always, be sure to stick around right to the very end of today's episode. That's when I'll be sharing my top 10 takeaways from my conversation with Donna. I'll also be sharing those same takeaways inside our free Power Your Platform Facebook group. So be sure to click on the show notes for this episode to join us there after the show. For now, let's get ready to dive into today's episode and why it really does pay off when we stick to our story. Welcome to Power Your Platform, the podcast for women who are building bold story brands. I'm your host and story coach, Carrie Ramsey. Each week, we'll explore big ideas about brand building and shine a spotlight on courageous women just like you who are owning their story, following their purpose, and changing the world. Whether you're a story starter, a story builder, or a story pro, this podcast is for you. I'll help you move your mindset from uncertain to unstoppable and provide you with the storytelling tools you need to make a real impact. Because we all have a story to tell, and somewhere someone is waiting to hear yours. Join us each week for inspiring interviews, aha moments, and step-by-step action plans that will provide the framework to help you create your very own purpose-driven platform. Are you with me? All right, it's time to power up. Hey there, Donna, and welcome to the Power Your Platform podcast. It's so great to have you with us today. It's so great to be here, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Well, I love this topic that you speak about, which is storytelling for startups. And of course, you're all about amplifying women's voices, which we're so aligned with. Can you tell us a little bit about the story path that has led you to the place you are today? So um, it's never been linear. (laughs) I remember Robert Frost's poem always kind of resonated with me. um, And, you know, what is the road not taken? What isn't what the sideways and and the different paths and twists and turns? So uh, I always was very much into theater and acting, but also from a very young age, kind of knew that the, the chances of making it you know, a career were were slim to none. So I needed to find something that I was as passionate about. And storytelling kind of fell into my lap in a sense when I was, I, I got my master's in drama therapy and in kind of looking for what direction I wanted to go in. I had a professor mention that she had a friend that went all around the world and gave workshops and speeches. And I was just like, Oh, that's what I want to do with my life. And I, I, I did a post-master's at NYU in training in organiz- organizational development. 
sent my resume out to the first place that was looking for corporate trainers and was hired. And I started on this great path of giving presentation skills and business writing skills workshops at uh, enterprise companies all across the globe. And then when 2008 hit, a bit of you know deja vu this past year, uh, it was time to to pivot. And I realized I kind of, again, one of these serendipitous moments that startups were really struggling to get funding and really struggling to tell their story again, deja vu. And I was like, oh, wow, well, this is a great audience to work with. And, and it kind of, it, it wasn't like overnight I had my roster filled because startups are, you know, you kind of have to prove yourself and and bring value and then the business follows. So, but that's really been my focus and my passion ever since. Worked with like a thousand startups, accelerators, VCs. Uh, I still work with corporates as well, but um, helping people really tell their stories, tell their messages in the most powerful way possible. And we call them stories because- People love listening to stories. They do not love listening to speeches and pitches. And uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really a much more inviting term. And also, if you do it in the right way, you are capturing the, the brain in the same way that a good story does. Mm, you're preaching to the choir. That's for sure. I love that idea. And I also love this path that you took. My own daughter is studying theater at university right now. And so I'll make sure she listens to this episode because you're right. It doesn't matter, you know, which direction the path takes. What matters is, you know, the transferable skills that we bring with us on the journey. So, yeah, thank you so much for not just sharing that, but for the work that you do and noticing the need for it. So what is it about the startup space that gets you so excited? Because it's definitely a challenging space to operate in. I love that each day I, I'll like think about because I can I do a pitch deck session in two hours like they emerge I'm Donna GPT so it's like I'm writing it in real time and and they emerge with so it's it's a two hour process so I can only do two of those a day and each day it's like oh what adventure do I get to go on today so it's a different companies different industries different levels and it's such a challenge to kind of crack the story and put it in the right way, in the right order, telling it in the, and each company is going to be unique. I do have a, a, a universal structure for the pitch, which is really what, why I wrote the book to kind of give people that, that baseline, but then it unleashes your creativity to tell your story in the most powerful way possible. Absolutely. And I love that you've touched on the fact that it's not that you have to give someone a story. We all have the story. It's just cracking the code, as you put it, to figure out what it is for that individual. So many businesses, you know, they they come with a product or a service, but, you know, not realizing there's a story behind that. So I love when people like you then go and help them to figure out what actually is already there and really just package it in a such a way in this case that invest investors can really resonate and uh and respond to it so right, um, i love the fact yeah we all have a story to tell there's no doubt about it so why do you think that storytelling is so powerful i mean we know now it's i don't even talk about marketing anymore i talk about storytelling and i think it's just become synonymous with that what do you think is the power of the story well, I think that storytelling is really survival and, and sticking to my story has so many meanings to it, but it's, it sticks. It really sticks because uh, I mean, you, uh, Yuval Noah Harari in, in Sapiens talks about the fact that 
storytelling is really what helped us outlast the Neanderthals. For years, we've been telling stories, whether it started with cave paintings and then moved on to, to you know, the Iliad and, and then Greek tragedies and Shakespeare. And, and, and then we're, we've kind of seen a resurgence of the cave paintings with more Instagram and TikTok and social media where people are again able to go back to that visual element of storytelling that's that in our primal cave brains. But it's all about short, fast, to the point stories that do something to people. You want to elicit a, a reaction, a vibration, a, a, and and that's what stories do. If you say, you know, like you're trying to be a QVC, that that just doesn't wash anymore. You, you engage people, and they start to nod when they resonate, and they're like, oh, I get that. That reminds me of the time. And then we've kind of created this stick that binds us together. Yeah. And it's so interesting because I know you and I, our audience is often women and men and women just uh, tell stories differently as well. And I always have to chuckle when I hear still the used car salesman like yelling from the radio as if that's going to convince the louder it is. That doesn't mean that I'm going to respond any better. Um, so it's it's interesting because I think that there somewhat is this masculine and feminine you know, style of telling stories, which is kind of interesting as well. And, you know, it's individual, not to say that, you know, um, you know, someone who identifies as a woman can't certainly, you know, also deliver using masculine traits or tools. But I believe that we can just be ourselves when we present and we don't That's have to be that used car salesman. That's the key authenticity, finding your authentic story. And every time I sit down with a client, it's about finding that origin story where they started off not telling you know from the very beginning but finding the point to launch off and talk about where you came up with this idea why you identified a need that was strong enough that you would leave everything else and focus in on doing this and every time I get to hear these inspiring remarkable stories and not all of them are like you know a penicillin story or left a cheese sandwich out and now we're able to cure any anti anything that needs an antibiotic it's it's uh little things i mean uh, the client i was working with yesterday they have created the first um social sharing music platform to be able mm. to listen to music together and <laughs> it started from they were gamers and they wanted to share music and listen together and there was no way to do it and they're living on discord and and the founder, he's been coding since he was 12. And he's like, let me throw together a bot. And it suddenly it just like grew and everybody wanted this. And they were in the process of figuring out the legal aspect when along came YouTube and said, bye-bye. But that was probably the best thing that happened to them because they shut down, got licensed, and now they're launching fully licensed 80 million songs. And this started just from a little passion project of a, like, I just wanted to share music with my friends. Sound like a Facebook. You know, I just want to share pictures with my friends. Yeah. So these are the moments and these are the stories that stick. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I love the title of the book, the idea of sticking to my story that just resonates so much with me. And you just touched on this idea of the origin story a moment ago. Can you share with us this idea of the why statement, which you also talk about in the book and what makes a great why statement? So let's attribute it, of course, uh, to Simon Sinek, who who talks about the why. So he talks about, you know, three layers of messaging, the golden circle. So the why, the what, and the how. Um, I, I, I 
I do it, why, what, how, he has it, why, how, what. Uh, so people, Simon says that people don't um, buy what you do, they buy why you do it. So we've got to buy into that bigger vision. So when I always have, when I'm building a pitch deck, the starting point and the ending point be your vision statement. Now, it might not be where you're at right now at this given point in time, but you need to show that you're thinking bigger. Investors are not interested in a static business. They want something that's fundable, that's that's expandable, that's on a scale and a growth trajectory. So you need to show them that you are thinking much bigger into the future. Now, Oftentimes people, especially women, get uncomfortable with that because it's like, but that's not where I am now. I'm, am I not telling a false story? But that's the beauty of storytelling. You are telling the potential story and you have to be able to back it in numbers and metrics and not just what you've achieved, but what the market is saying and what the trends are saying. But you need to show, hey, we are going to hook into a much bigger trend and something much bigger than where we're at now. Right. It's going to be even bigger. Yeah. A friend of mine uh, recently wrote a book called Big Gorgeous Goals. And in it, she really challenges women to think big. Like you're saying, you have to have the vision because it's the vision we have to sell to other people as well. Not just, you know, here's where I'm at. Um, I spent a lot of time in the nonprofit world as well. And even then it was like to to get money from donors, which, you know, very similar, I suppose, for investors. You know, you're not selling the need or the problem. You're selling the vision. Um, you know, so that's it's it's there's a lot of um, comparable aspects. And of course, a part of telling the story, especially when we talk about pitching investors, is that slide deck, which you've already mentioned. So tell us a little bit more about this idea of chunking when it comes to the slide deck. That's a term you use in your book. So explain that a bit more to us. Absolutely. So um there's a reason that when we sit in a room and and look at a a slide deck with with tons of data our brains just go <laughs> and it just it, it it we're not capable our brains are not built for taking in mountains of data they're built it's a very structured way and thanks to storytelling really um so as kids we learn language and we learn to communicate with the world through the stories that we're told again and again and again that's what what builds it. And stories, storytelling is not just about standing around telling fun little anecdotes and jokes. There's a, a, a structure to it, a science to it, which is what we talk about in the book with the chunks or acts, as I call them. Uh, and if you think back to Greek tragedies and Shakespeare, Emily, and check of all those greats, they wrote in acts. And there was a reason and there was a structure to it and there was an expectation and then you saw it in the theater. So act one, the exposition where the problem, the villain is relieved. And then act two, the solution, the hero that's going to come and save the day. Act three, okay, how's it going to work? The business and the hero's action plan. And then act four, the aftermath. What's next? What's the big vision for the future? And when we organize it in that way, people might be listening to this now saying, oh, seriously, really? She's going to give us the whole problem solution thing. I am. It's been working for tens of thousands of years. And even with AI and even with all these platforms we have, there's a reason that storytelling works. So you can weave stories into that. But if you have that structure in place, the foundation of it, then you will always have something that holds your content. 
Mm -hmm. And I love how your theatrical background comes into that. <laughs> not, our, not only are you theatrical, but just using the examples of Shakespeare. And I happen to live in a theater town and Shakespeare is like the number one uh, productions that are put on here. And it. it's, it's exactly true. It's, it's as, a tale as old as, as time, literally, yes. right? So, yes. so interesting yes. for sure. So when we are chunking, let's say, putting out that story into the slide deck for a presentation, there's obviously also that visual element that's present as we're presenting. So can you speak to maybe what are some thoughts you have on making that visual element the most effective part of our presentation and story as well? Absolutely. Um, so we, the last time our brains got uh, a hardware upgrade was about 36,000 years ago when the prefrontal cortex was developed. And it's about that same time that we started seeing cave paintings. So something about this part of the brain that is responsible for our visual processing, it's also responsible for image recognition and for being able to you know give visual expression and so so it's about the time that tribes stopped killing their own members because up until then you didn't remember who the person was like it'd be just who are you it's bob it's bob don't shoot oh bob yeah <laughs> no. so yeah. so um so a lot a lot by the way just an interesting anecdote um with um serial killers and 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 psychopaths, sociopaths, they've often found that there's actual brain damage. Hmm. So the visual cortex, prefrontal cortex, which is also impulse control, has actually physically been damaged either by abuse, <clears throat> accidents, or you know, what have you. So it's an interesting phenomenon of, uh, but that's a whole other conversation. So since the visual is such an important thing, we want to show as fast as possible. So if you have a product, if you have a physical product, you should be showing it from the beginning. If you have a super cool, like, like I've worked with VR companies that have like really neat demos, start out with it and then tell the story. <clears throat> if you have a back end, very technical thing, you have to tell the story so that they can then envision it. So by telling a as if story, it awakens the visuals in the brain. So you are either showing visuals, showing screenshots, showing videos, showing GIFs, or you're telling something that can kind of help them glom onto the visual. Yeah. And it's interesting, you talk about the cave paintings, and I was a marketing professor for 15 years. And when emojis came on the scene, right, so I was teaching, we, there was a time before emojis, but it's so funny, because we would liken them to like the hieroglyphics or these cave paintings. And big discussion was, have we come full circle, because we were now replacing words with these, you know, emblems that it really, if you're talking about cave paintings and the hieroglyphics, there's so much, uh, so much that's similar there. So very interesting. So you mentioned AI as well. And I wanted to touch on that. Of course, there's very few communications discussions we can have these days without bringing up artificial intelligence. So what do you think the impact will be of AI on business storytelling and perhaps this topic of storytelling for startups? So uh, I actually, as I was writing the book, um, ChatGPT hadn't come out while I was writing the book. Jasper AI was out and some of these tools. So I was playing around with the early tools and getting my mind blown. And I wrote the first version of my last chapter, which is called The Future of Storytelling for Startups with Jasper AI. And then when I handed in my first draft, all of a sudden, ChatGPT broke. And I said to my publisher, I think I need to go back and rewrite this ChatGPT, which I did. Now, granted, I had to give a lot of prompts and then weave it together. So I liken ChatGPT to a sous chef 
for a chef. Like the executive chef does not stand there chopping onions usually. They have the vision and they put it all together. And then there's, so I think that um, it's definitely going to replace a lot of, of functions. However, if you have your own method, your own creativity, uh, and you're able to embrace it, then I think that we'll be safe. I mean, maybe I'm being naive. Uh, and maybe, it, you know, once Chad GPG-5 comes out, it's going to be like, oh. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. But I think it's very important to not deny what's happening, to learn it, to understand it, to embrace it, to see how you can use it to make your life easier, faster, better. So it's here to stay. And it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I just keep thinking back to like when Google came out, I'm sure the same responses of like, oh, you're going to search for everything. What's going to happen to libraries? What's going to happen to books? What's going to happen? It was just, and it became another tool and it's our go-to tool, but I think that libraries are still searched and 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 we still are learning. So it's going to be an interesting thing to find out. Yeah. And libraries have evolved, right? And they are now community centers of all sorts of, you know, really great activity books. Yes. But I think you're right. We'll continue to evolve and to adapt as these, some of these new technologies emerge. One of the things that my clients and I talk a lot about is sure, you know, AI will go a, to a certain degree, but that's why we need to continue this human connection because nothing, you know, replaces that, whether it's face to face or even, you know, in uh, in a room like we are right now, which is just digital. But there's no, I don't think, replacement at this point for that experience. So that's really interesting. Well, one uh, question I sort of wanted to bring back to the investors uh, and, you know, placing ourselves back in that scenario where we're talking to investors is you make a point in the book where it says that investors are really listening for something. And it's not something we always are aware of. Um, a lot of people go at it with a lot of statistics and data. But what are investors really listening for when we're presenting? And when I use the word investors, perhaps we could um, also include supporters or, you know, supporters, people that you're selling partners, to. Yeah. Customers, champions, whoever it might be. Um, so there are three main things that investors are listening for, I guess, in a subtextual kind of way, and that is credibility, likability, and momentum. So the credibility piece has to come through in your knowledge base, your team's knowledge base, any unfair advantages, like, you know, if you're credentialing yourself as a marketing professor for 15 years, suddenly that gives you a level of credential that makes investors go, oh, she knows her stuff. Like she was hired by university. She's been 15 years. She's taught other people. So obviously Carrie knows what she's doing. So those are the kind of things that you want to bring in. And, and again, going back to the way women and men tell stories, as women, we have to, we must toot our own horns. And and I know that it's like, oh, it's not polite. And it's like, I'm going to get rid of all of that. We must bring up front and we have to show our knowledge off as well. Likeability, it's not a, oh, I'm so nice, I'm so sweet. No, it's a it's a flexible mindset. It's something that shows that you're coachable, that they have something to teach you, they have something to bring to the table, that you're going to be a pleasure to work with through the good times and the bad. Um, and then momentum, how far have you gotten? Do you have users? Do you have sales? Do you have letters of intent? Do you have... Um, IP, do you have anything that is showing that this is a viable product that's going places, even if you don't yet have revenue? 
what are other proof points of, of momentum that are happening here? So all three of these things have to be woven in throughout your entire message. So I love that credibility, likability, and momentum. There is right. just so much juicy goodness in this book. And thank you so much for sharing some highlights with us. Of course, we'd love for people to go and check out the book themselves. So where can people go to learn more about you and sticking to my story? Well, about me, DonnaGriffith.com, no H, uh, two Fs, um, and one T. Uh, also sticking to my story.com talks about the book and it's now available in all three formats. You got the paperback, you've got Kindle and last week, the audiobook drop, which I narrated as well. Um, uh, being an actress and, and voiceover artist helped with that. Uh, so, you know, we've got you covered if you're the, I need to touch it and be a kinesthetic kind of person. If you're more of an auditory person, if you're more of a visual person, we've got you covered for all different styles of learning. I love it. So we'll make sure to drop those links in the show notes today. Thank you so much, Donna, for taking the time to share with us this really cool topic and this really niche down version of storytelling. I'm so appreciative that you've taken the time to come on the podcast today. Thanks, Carrie. And one little bonus for your listeners, anyone listening that does need work on your pitch deck, reach out to me, please mention Carrie, and you already have a special discount waiting for you. Fantastic. All right. Thank you, Donna. Have a beautiful day. You too. I hope you enjoyed listening in to today's conversation with Donna Griffith. Her book, Sticking to My Story, is available now on her website at stickingtomystory.com. As promised, here are my top 10 takeaways from today's interview. Number one, stories are powerful tools to use when pitching an audience since they tend to stick in the minds of our listeners long after the other data is forgotten. Number two, authenticity is the secret to successfully telling and selling your story. Number three, recognizing your origin story and the why behind your business is key to communicating your unique marketing position with your audience. Number four, remember people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. Number five, it's important to identify a vision for your company that takes you well beyond the moment you're in now. When we share our vision with our audience, they'll get a clearer idea of where the path is taking us in the future. Number six, creating a story in four acts can also help to create clarity for our audience. Those four acts include the problem, the solution, the action, and the next moves. Number seven, our audience is always listening for three things when we tell a story, credibility, likability, and momentum. Number eight, as women, we tend to play down our accomplishments. Instead, we need to start spotlighting them to build greater credibility. Number nine, being likable is not about being cute. It's about being someone who can work well with others to get the job done. And finally, number 10, when it comes to building business momentum, our story needs to demonstrate that we're making progress in our business. When we do, others will want to be a part of that progress as well. Thanks so much for listening in to today's podcast episode. I'd love to hear your key takeaways. So don't hesitate to reach out to me at powerherplatform at gmail.com. Until next time, keep owning your story, following your purpose, and raising your voice. Because the world is waiting to hear your story. Thank you.